1: A Straight Talk with Sandra Rich, a show about living your best life. My name is Sandra Reish, and I'm a licensed psychotherapist, and I try to delve into topics that affect your day to day life. And today is a topic that I think is really, really an important one. Um, you know, it affects all of us because it's so innate in us. It's the topic of judgment. And let me start by saying that we all do judge. But where the teaser or where the interesting part is, the amount we judge is negatively correlated to happiness, meaning the more you judge, the less happy you are. So what do we do about that? So this topic was one I had to bring in a specialist and experts. Who could I be talking about but Georgia Dow? psychotherapist par excellence, as we say here in Quebec, um, mm-hmm. top in her field, uh, 20 years of experience. And also, you know, Georgia, you are a top licensed psychotherapist, but to me, you're a life strategist also. We, you know, When I want to know a strategy, you're my go-to person. You just know good strategy to live your best life. So first of all, welcome back to the show.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me and such sweet words. Thank you, Sandra, especially you. coming from you. So that's like wonderful. Um and it, this is such a great topic because I think that we do it um really more often than we probably are aware of.
1: Yeah. We do. We really, really do. So, you know, I, it's funny. It's interesting because today we had this show planned and it looked like it wasn't going to work out because there was a misunderstanding and I didn't think you'd be able to make it. And I have to tell you, I was a little heartbroken. I mean, I, you know, I always love doing shows with you and I love doing the show every week. But, it, you know, I can throw in a replay, not the end of the world. But I thought the topic was so important. And I just want to give a shout out, first of all, to all the people who joined us this week at the lecture series and got to hear you speak and, join. you know, just came out to see the montreal center for anxiety and depression there were a lot of people telling me how much they enjoy when you're on the show i hope you got that feedback as well that night
2: Oh, yeah. And it was it was a wonderful thing to do to be able to to do similar to the show to be able to go out there, talk to people about different subjects, hopefully give them some tools, tips and techniques that make them live better lives. And I always learn something every single time you'd think that after a while you wouldn't learn that much. But I always come back with some little nuggets of wisdom that I'm going to then use in my own practice in my life.
1: Well, I think that's part of what makes you so good at what you do. So on that note, coming back to this negatively correlated, so I say that everywhere I go, is that the more you judge, and this is what I tell myself, because it is a natural instinct to judge. Um, you see people doing things, you don't think well of it, so you in your head, you. as a matter of fact, they've studied this, that as humans, we have uh, a negativity bias, and also we have an... It, Um, an exaggeratedly good opinion of ourselves we're much (laughs) actually we tend to put ourselves in a much lighter light than other people so we tend to think like what we're doing is not bad but what everyone else is doing is bad and that's in our human nature Uh, what do you think of the fact that and have you experienced that the more you're judging others perhaps getting together with people and putting down people and judging everyone the lower your mood goes has that been your experience have you seen that in your clients talk to me
2: yeah, I definitely have. It's interesting because, you know, sometimes we we judge to to form groups. It's a it's a tribalist kind of way of thinking, right? So we judge others to say us and them, right? But when you do that, you, you're you not just doing the us, uh, so that often makes a tighter in-group, your own group, your friends, that, you feel in together, but it can also become part of your personality trait, it's not just something that you're doing to kind of bond together, but you can become critical and judgmental about everything around you, and it, It isn't just that that's a negative thing to do and you are causing, you know, hurting other people, even if you're not saying it, even if it's only in your head, but you're also hurting yourself. So when you are judgmental, when you are critical, when you are negative, you are also releasing All kinds of negative neurotransmitters that are with that, that feeling of being judgmental of I am better than you, you know, standing on my pedestal separating you from them is also releasing that cortisol, that anxious feeling. So you're releasing that as well, which has an effect on your own body. So it's also not good for your health.
1: Yeah, I remember we were talking about conflict this week together at the lecture series. and I remember you talking about that there's almost an addictive part of that, too, because yes, the the cortisol is no good, but also there's a sense that for a few minutes you feel better than other people. It can become fairly addictive. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it is. And, you know, like it's one of these things that especially if you're in like I'm it's I'm always more judgmental and we're all. Judgmental. It's it's okay, but you want to be aware and try to catch yourself so that you can stop this. It's the first person to say, "I never judge people." What do you when you hear someone say that? "I never judge people." You know, I'm I'm completely open to everything. They're probably not looking at it. It's where we want to get to, but judgment is part of human nature. And we're not going to be able to get rid of that, but we do want to be aware of our own unconscious biases that we have in the way that we deal with the world. It is only when I am in a negative place and the more negative a place, the more critical or judgmental that I become. And so I know that's one of my first signs of, hmm, have I not been exercising? Have I not been eating well? Is there something that I'm doing that? Am I throwing
1: out all of this judgment so that I'm really not going to look at myself? I think that's a very important point and a very valid point, Georgia. You know, it seems to me that often what we're judging in others—I'm grateful you brought that up—is something. You know, perhaps we're saying they're not paying enough attention to me, or they're not uh, putting enough effort in the relationship, and that usually I take that as a mirror sign, like yourself, that perhaps. Um, I'm not paying enough attention to myself, or perhaps I'm not making enough effort for myself, but it's a lot easier to be judgmental of another than to have to look in the mirror and change my ways. Right. That's another right. way to judge. Right. It, keeps, it keeps you hidden. I often right. tell Good start one. with step one, whatever you're judging the other person and not doing, are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember right. you- Years ago, you know, having that epiphany when I was, you know, doing an exercise class and I was judging someone in my life for not working hard enough. And then I suddenly had the thought, wow, Mm -hmm. this is interesting. I'm doing an exercise class thinking the other person's not working hard enough. I'm clearly not working hard enough if I'm in the exercise class judging. You know, what a stalker. Maybe it's time for me to up my game. It can be a little bit of a litmus test, don't you think? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that you also gave a really great
2: point of it can also be a form of avoidance. Yes. Right? We judge others so that we don't have to look at us. Or are we worried that the conversation will go to us or some area, you know, like a magic trick. Look over there. Don't look over here so that someone else won't bring up something that we are uncomfortable with. Because that also says, you know, if you're picking on someone else, then at least they're not picking on me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly right. You know, it brings me to the concept also of what I like to talk about the rule book of life. You know, yes, we, yes. we grow up and we get a rule book from our parents, from you know, our societal influences, and then we egotistically assume everybody else has the same rule book. So usually when I'm in judgment, it's because somebody's not following the rules of my rule book. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to get out there that unfortunately or fortunately we've all gotten different rule books. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? I, I think that that's one of the things. It's very difficult.
2: I think that that concept is even difficult. I think that when I grew up, I did think that everyone was the same as I was. Yeah. And to, it, it, I did. I thought that everyone had the same tools. I thought that everyone also started from the same place. I thought that everyone had the same advantages, which is a very uh, linear way to look at the world and completely inaccurate but that makes judgment so much easier to do. It, it is like judgment is the opposite of empathy. Like uh-huh. I, I, I'm I judging, I'm being critical. But the, I, you cannot be judgmental and empathic at the same time. I really do believe these are the opposite ends of the spectrum to that. And mm-hmm. so while I'm being judgmental, I am not able to try to do the opposite to see the world from someone else's position, because if I did that, I would not be as judgmental to what they do. I think that the, the one thing I, I really enjoy about you, Sandra, is that, you know, you say, you know, you could be in anyone's position that, you know, there's, there's no horrible thing that could happen that someone else could do or be a part of that, that you say, well, not never me. Because you never know what could happen in your world or what they have gone through to that. That takes a strong amount of empathy and caring. And I think that a lot of people... Or, you know, they put themselves on this pedestal so that they can then say, well, this bad thing wouldn't happen. It's so much easier to blame than to think that, you know, if you have empathy, you think, well, then it could happen to me too. So maybe I shouldn't be throwing the
1: first stone. Georgia, you're, that's such a crisp and important point. Thank you so much for bringing it up. You said it so well. And I think that's, uh, we're going to take a break, but I think that's where we have to pick up from is you said, let me make sure I've got this right, that empathy or compassion is the opposite of judgment. That's a very interesting statement. Did I get that right? Yes, that's my my thought on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I like your thought, because that means that if we have to learn to be compassionate and empathetic with ourselves, then we've Mm. got to lower judgment, right? Oh, that's great. Yes, exactly.
2: I like that quite a lot, that if we can have empathy and care for ourselves, then we have to, it's much easier to have empathy and care for others. And if we can have empathy and care for others, we should also have that towards
1: ourselves. I like that a lot. Okay, so we'll take a break, but uh, what we're going to come back with, Georgia, and I really want to hear what you have to say about this, your strategies, I love your strategies, on how we can develop that compassion and empathy when there's always that voice in the head saying, yeah, but that's wrong, or mm-hmm. I would never do that. So how do we get to empathy or compassion? So we'll, we'll take a short break, we'll come right back, and we'll talk about that on Straight Talk with Sandra Ish.
0: Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reish, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life changing, regain that loving feeling, bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com.
3: Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reisch. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. To connect with the program today, please call one eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. 472 5792 Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to straight talk. Here's Sandra Reich.
1: So we're back talking about
0: judgment and
1: righteousness. And I'm very fortunate to have Georgia Dow on the show today, licensed psychotherapist at the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression. And really what I I like to call her like a life strategist. And she said something really important before the break, which I, I really want to get back to, which is I talked about judgment being negatively correlated with happiness, meaning the more you judge, the less happy you are. Georgia added on to that, that in her view, the opposite of judgment is empathy and compassion, which. To me, mathematically, really makes sense because if we're saying judgment is negatively correlated with happiness, and that means that we're not being empathetic and compassionate, I think it does make sense that the more empathy or compassion you can show yourself or others, the happier you would be. Right? Yeah. Again, I guess with with empathy, you can go too far and
2: kind of get sucked into the sadness that is around you. Um, but to be able to to be caring and thoughtful, definitely I always feel happier when I'm able to be caring or thoughtful or look at things from a different perspective to that.
1: So I know a lot of people listening, you know, the million dollar question is, you know, you've just had a moment with a friend or a husband or a wife And you go naturally into judgment. They were rude. They were this. They were that. Mm -hmm. And we're saying that we want to get people to empathy and compassion because they'll feel better. How do you do that? How do you do it? Right? Well, the first thing would be,
2: why have you jumped to being judgmental? You want to kind of ask yourself that question. Like, what happened? Are you angry at them? Are you hurt? Are you upset? Because usually we are judgmental because of a reason it isn't sometimes it's we're just being judgmental to that because we don't like something or we think they're doing it wrong but even that thought process comes from a place so that would be my first step is what's happening here we need to do a little bit more of that self-diagnosis of wait a second why am I doing this
1: okay I like that so step one would be like okay, why am I judging this person? Oh, I'm hurt. I'm very hurt. I found they were rude to me and that's the judgment. But really what's going on is I feel very hurt and unrecognized. Mm. Okay, so now mm. I've established the emotion. I love where you're going with this. So I know the emotion is hurt. Now what? Okay, so so my
2: first step when I'm, I'm finding myself being judgmental, maybe I'm being critical, maybe I'm being harsh. The first thing that I like to do, so they often say, you know, when you're you're practicing the, the opposite of, of being judgmental, is to try to see the world from someone else's shoes to that. But I would even take it another step. I like to say, make an argument for why they would be right. Now, this is not an easy exercise. Yeah. So say that someone's wearing... Uh, a pair of shoes, and you're like, those are the loudest shoes I've ever seen. They're they're hideous, they're bright, they're sparkly, why are they doing this? But but maybe there's a reason that is a very thoughtful, valid reason to why they are choosing to be different. Because usually we judge when someone is doing something that we see as different or odd. It's, again, it's how we used to keep the tribe together, and it, it is part of human dynamics to that. But Maybe their mom, who passed away, gave them these shoes. Or maybe their daughter bought it for them or created it for them. Or maybe when they were a child, they were never allowed to have sparkly shoes. And when they got older, they said, I'm going to buy these sparkly shoes and I'm going to get to wear them because that heals a wound for me. Right. And usually when you hear someone else's story or you personalize it to, to seeing them as a person instead of an object, it is much harder to be critical and judgmental and you often feel like a heel when you've done that I I, I've whenever I've been caught being judgmental and I'm like oh it's not a great feeling like oh yeah that was I was not at my best during that time what about you Sandra
1: well, you know, I love two of your points. First of all, and a point that I often give when I speak about this is imagine you were walking downtown and you felt someone poking you from from behind mm-hmm. you and it, like something in your behind and the feeling you would have would be outrage, anger. Um, You know, embarrassment, I don't even know, but definitely not a happy feeling. And you turn around in anger and you see a blind man with a cane. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, instead of feeling angry, you feel almost a little ashamed and compassionate. And all that really changed is the story you told yourself. So that really speaks to what you're saying is arguing the other person's case. And on that point, I thought it was interesting you brought that up because, as you know, I do the couple retreats. So I work a lot with couples and I often tell couples can you argue your partner's case meaning you have a fight with your partner and you're you know in two sides of the house and you're fuming can you take your journal out and argue their case squeaky shoes or no squeaky shoes, whatever they did. Can you come from their point of view? It is a fantastic strategy. Usually people go, Sandra, really you want me to argue his case? Yes. It's, it's really a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's really an important point. And I would add one more thing in is, you know, we got got another therapist, I I, writing into us, giving us mentioning how much they're enjoying the show. And she was saying that there's some research done and it's a really good point research done on also that if you can switch your way of thinking and instead of staying in judgment go do something good for someone else that can have a profound effect also on getting you out of judgment so instead of staying in sort of the toxic pool could you go do a good deed and would Mm -hmm. that change the way you're feeling what do you think of that yeah, I
2: think that that is a, a, a wonderful point and a wonderful thing to do because you're also creating that feeling of, instead of being on a, on a pedestal to yourself, you're able to kind of make a difference and a change. Uh, I love your point also, Sandra, about the arguing someone else's point because not only then are you seeing the perspective from where they are. But you may actually suddenly agree with their point to that. You're having to see them from their perspective of the world. And often if you are just a better arguer, you might win a point, but it's not really getting you to be closer. And so I I love that as a wonderful tip or trick that you can bring into your couple, your relationship, and you can do this all alone. You don't actually have to do this with them. You can do this yourself to be able to do that and, and be able to have a better understanding instead of being critical and judgmental of why in the world would they do this? You're answering that question. Well, maybe it's because
1: of this. It's interesting because intuitively, look, I do this strategy quite a lot myself, especially when I feel hurt. Because when you're hurt, um, if you don't go do this strategy, you tend to build a story. And mm-hmm. stories are dangerous because stories... We, what our brain likes to do is give you more and more evidence. And I want people to hear this more and more evidence that you've been maligned or treated poorly. And then you just keep sinking more and more down into a little bit more of a victim role. Right. And, you're getting, and like you said, you're not going to get close with your person. You're getting angrier and angrier. So I will try to argue their point. And it is interesting, as you said, that maybe you'll end up seeing their point. But what I find is intuitively, we have a little bit of an instinct, as to why the person behaved that way, but we don't like to acknowledge it to ourselves. Mm. And when I write it down, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly why? It doesn't necessarily mean the person was right. It may mean that they may be wrong, but where it gets tricky, and this is our DVD on conflict, is when two people are being operating from their wounds. And the right. thing is, I'm feeling wounded, but then I realize, oh, this person is also feeling wounded, which really can change everything, right, in a relationship. It does. And, and you you then feel heard and, and validated
2: and then it's okay, which is the opposite. Really, judgment is saying you're not okay. There's something wrong with you. I'm abandoning you. I'm kicking you out of the tribe. You are now other to that. And That technique does the opposite. You're saying, I understand you. You don't have to be the same for me to be able to accept you. I don't even have to agree, and we can come to a common ground of understanding, and I validate you, and I see you to that, which is really healing.
1: Yes, it is. Now, showing compassion and empathy and what we're talking about – now that we're on this, it, you require something called ego strength. So Georgia, can you help people understand what that means to have the ego strength to do that? What What does that mean? That's it, This is a really hard topic. So I might even send this back to you. I'll, I'll try to give you my thoughts
2: of it. But okay. ego strength is to be able to have enough thought of, of that you're okay, like to be in that strong enough point, to have enough what we call like poker chips, to be able to say that I can be wrong and it doesn't hurt so much. Because often if you've been constantly told that you're wrong and you're not good enough, it can then be really hard to say to someone else they're right because then you think that you're wrong. It's a a feeling of that. So if you're feeling really good and you're in a good place, and that's why when I'm not in a good place, I can be more harsh or more critical or more judgmental. When I'm feeling really good about myself, my ego strength is really stronger, then I have less of a chance of being caught in that judgmental, critical kind of mind frame. Can you give a maybe a more succinct, though, definition of what ego strength would be?
1: Well, I thought yours was great, first of all, but I would just add That's on. That's just because you're so sweet. No, I, I, <laughs> Thank I, I you. felt like I was listening to it as if I just heard it for the first time and it made sense to me. We see this a lot in people. Again, it's, it's like you said, if you're not feeling that you're good enough. And somebody calls you to task, then you're going to get very defensive. You will not be able to reach in and say, let me argue their point of view, because Mm -hmm. now it would mean if they had a point of view that you would disappear. Ego strength is a sense that I cannot disappear. So me being wrong, as you well said, does not in any way make me less and that is really the goal of these shows of psychotherapy, of everything we do, is to try to teach people to have, as you, you called it poker chips, I would say a bank account, to mm-hmm. feel that you don't start to disappear when you show some compassion for someone or you're able to understand another person's point of view. As a matter of fact, I would say you get more poker chips, wouldn't right. you?
2: Yes, it's a wonderful, it's a very freeing thing when you realize that you can be wrong about something and that doesn't make you less of a person or that that means you're wrong right. um, and you can learn from that place. Unfortunately, we can often have be so hurt or wounded in our world that we have to always be right and that's critical and being critical or being judgmental comes from a place of pain. It is not from a place of strength or from happiness or from being in, um, having, having you know, enough vitamins of, of your family life that you've been raised to, to feel empowered. It comes yeah. from a place of pain and hardship and worry and fear. And so even being judgmental and critical, that's also, I, I understand it because you're hurting and so that's all you've been taught or that's all you're seeing or that's your only tool that you have that's what you're going to use so even if you are a judgmental or a critical person to yourself or to others also have empathy towards yourself and know that that's why that you're doing it no one goes out to try to hurt themselves or try to hurt others only when we're really in pain do we do that and usually it's protective in nature
1: um, that was really important. Can you repeat that last part of it that no one goes out? Go ahead. Well, we we don't want to
2: hurt others and ourselves. That's a very rare thing for human nature to purposely try to cause damage. We can often think things and think dark thoughts. That happens. But only when we are in extreme pain or hardship are we going to do things that are harmful to others. And when you, usually when you've taken yourself out of that and come down from that there's a lot of regret that comes into it
1: it's beautifully said we're going to take a short break when we come back we'll talk about how increasing your empathy is extremely important but we also don't want to lose ourselves in over empathizing because that can mm. also lead to a whole bunch of problems we'll be right back on straight talk with sandra Reach
3: Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reisch. Sandra is joined by top therapist, Georgia Dow, in this revolutionary Anxiety Videos Therapy Series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever.
0: Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reish, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at healthforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reish. So we're back, and I forgot
1: to say on today's show, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can call us at one 472 5792 We don't get a lot of calls on Straight Talk, but we're always ready to get any calls or questions. Uh, if you'd like to email us, it's at info at help for anxiety, or you can text us at one five one four seven nine six four three five seven. 796 4357 So Georgia, uh, when we left off, we were talking about the concept of, over-empathy, which can lead to a whole other set of problems. So I wanted to go back to when I was talking about arguing somebody's case. You had brought that up. I had agreed with you. One has to be careful that even if I'm arguing someone else's case, you and I have a conflict and I'm like, let me get into Georgia's head and let me argue her case. Oh, okay. I get where she's coming from. That does not mean that I'm only going to validate you and my viewpoint is going to go out the window because that is an element of codependency, which we've done plenty of shows on that's problematic too can you how is explain- that how is that problematic sound because we see this a lot of of some people usually
2: people that are caretakers that will or, or people that are avoidant of conflict which we uh, went into during our other talk that they'll get kind of they'll not only argue the other point but they'll also dismiss their own thoughts and feelings
1: to that what what is the negative to that because it stops the conflict you know, it's a lot of negative. But there's a lot of levels to this. First of all, the bottom line that you are saying is I'm not important. And right. that is going to so profoundly hurt your own relationship with yourself. But even worse than that is you're teaching someone else that you're not important. Because, unfortunately, yeah. people will start to go, yeah, look at that. I was really right. She's really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and you stop existing. And the reason people do this, codependent caretakers do this, I've openly talked about being a recovering caretaker is because it gives um, a locus of control is if I am the problem then I am the solution so it's an illusion of control as opposed to working through the conflict that's why we just did a dvd on conflict resolution to teach people and I had to learn this myself that you can get through a conflict and two points of view can be out there and you can walk away with a win-win and both of you get hurt so we want the empathy but we don't want to disappear right
2: Mm -hmm. I love I love the way that you said that because it's so true that feeling of then that you're not validating you, you lose yourself in that, and you want to tell people that you're also important, that you matter, and that it's important to be heard, even if you disagree with someone, you can understand their point of view. Yes.
1: Yes. Very yes. nice. Right. Okay, well maybe right now, since I mentioned it, is can you let people know if they do wanted to get the conflict resolution DVD, since I keep mentioning it on pass on, how would they find it? We just came out with it. We just yeah, it's just brand new. We're we're very proud of it. That and our emotional intelligence
2: DVD are just new. And we're really proud. And you can find it on anxiety dash videos.com. And you will get a direct download. And it will take care of it.
1: Yeah, and we also have a new a new way of getting there also because the series is called Master Life. So if they master-life.com also works, it's just some good strategies for this kind of situation. Now, coming back to this situation, um, judgment and righteousness are very, very similar. And people listening might be wondering if they are judgmental or righteous. And I understand that you have some ways of people sort of checking. Are they falling into judgmental, righteous ways? Is that right?
2: Yes, it's just to check for yourself and don't be judgmental of yourself if you have some of these traits. We all sometimes do. Yeah. But if you find that you're having trouble with personal relationships, if you find that you're angry all the time or you have a lot of animosity towards others or just personal relationships are not easy, maybe this is what might be tripping you up. So take a look into it and then try to work on it through the techniques that we spoke about before. Okay. So, I'm going to go through just a few of them. There's Please. a whole bunch. But one would be if you are have a trouble to look beyond other people for their differences or their flaws. If what the first thing that you do is you notice people's differences and flaws and need to think about them over in your head, that might be because you're either worried that others are going to see your flaws or you're getting stuck upon that because that is something that you enjoy picking apart to that. It's one of these things that stops us from being able to be close to other people. Cause if all you can see is someone's flaws, you're not going to see the person beneath them. And we all have flaws. Yeah,
1: that's so true. That's so true. So basically if my focus is trying to find what's weak in someone else, I'm probably falling into the trap. Beautiful. Yes, exactly yeah. that. Exactly okay. that. If, you believe that, you know,
2: other people are always wrong or out to get you or never consistent. If it's also, if it's not maybe personal flaws, but that it's always someone else's problem. If you can never go, you know what, maybe that was me. Or if you've, you know, in the past year, six months, one month, have has not been able to take, say, this was me. It's always someone else. Then if it's always someone else,
1: maybe it's you. Right, right, because you're not even considering yourself in the equation. Exactly, that you might be doing that to deflect. It's
2: a way that we do it to keep ourselves safe. We look at everyone else so that we don't have to see ourselves. And maybe that's because looking at ourselves would be too painful. Maybe it would be scary. Maybe there's things about yourself that you don't look at. But we all make mistakes. That does not make you a bad person. But if you only notice that everyone else is making mistakes it, one is it makes it very difficult to be with someone because it's hard if you're always going to be
1: criticized. You don't feel safe, right? Being critical, is the opposite of safety, right, Sandra? Oh, yes, absolutely. We don't feel safe when we're being criticized.
2: No, it's, it's probably one of the things that most of us are worried about, of being judged or being criticized from something, especially when you're doing the best you can. And I think that um, if, if you just remember, we are all just doing the best that we can. We want to be loved. We want to be cared about. We want to be welcomed. We want to be accepted, even with our quirks and our weaknesses. Sure. And there's no roadmap. Like there's not one, only one way to do things. So we've been taught, we know the best, we're using the best tools that we have. And maybe so, you got better tools than someone else did. But that doesn't make you a
1: better person because of that. We're, we're all in this boat together. Yeah, that's an important thing, you know, to feel that we're all in the boat together. That's, again, some compassion, though. Yes, it's 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 a hard thing to do, and even towards yourself,
2: because you have to also do the same thing for yourself and accept that you have flaws, and those are okay, too. Yes, of course. Okay, so apart from that, what else? So some of the other ones are if you have, like, if you're anxious when you're around other people in intimate settings, if you feel untrusting of others or suspicious of others or worried about what other people are going to say about you then you Mm. might find that because of that your defense mechanism would be to be more judgmental or more critical right
1: okay because it's it's not safe right and because you do it to others you figure others are doing it to you right OK, that makes sense. So if i that's the other danger with being a judgmental person is that there's no way I'm going to trust someone else if I'm judging everyone, because like you said, I'm going to assume they're doing the same thing. As a matter of fact, mm. this is why we should mention this is one of the components of social anxiety. Social yes. anxiety people often grew up with judgmental, critical parents. Yes. So because their own parents were so judgmental and critical, the assumption is that wherever they go, other people are going to judge and criticize them, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Right. It Makes because sense. That's been your life experience. Uh, I I get that. I really get that. I feel like there is a lot of judgment in the world, so it's sometimes surprising to me when people are not judgmental because yes. that's not always been my experience in life. So it's it's trusting a little bit. Trust is a factor here, isn't it?
2: And and it's a hard thing to do if you have not been brought up in a trusting environment. It's it's not easy. I I fully understand that. Yeah, it's really not. No, it's not easy. And, and the only way to change that, to learn to trust, is by taking that walk on that shaky bridge of letting people in a little bit and realizing that most people will actually like you better for your flaws. If you were that perfect person, that is very uncomfortable to people. A little bit yes. of flaws, people like you better. They're like, oh, they're like me. They're normal. They're difficult. They have problems. They have, and then people feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, that's, I want to pause on that a little bit, because um, I think that vulnerabilities really is what connects us to other people. I know you and I laugh a lot and joke about our own vulnerabilities, and it's definitely a big connection between us. Um, Somehow we get a wrong message growing up, we get the message that showing your vulnerabilities, it's like kill or be killed, that will be a horrible thing. And yet you often talk about what it would be like to have dinner with someone who's perfect. Can you tell us what you think that would be like?
2: it'd be horrible <laughs> it'd be horrible be horrible because I would be worried uh, it's the like now now Martha Stewart is very cool um she went to jail <laughs> and because she she hangs out with Snoop and uh, you know has fun and lets her hair down and now she's more human to us but before she did everything perfectly and very few people could live up to that standard she has a you know, millions of dollars and a whole bunch of a crew to be able to do that. But we figure that that's who she is. Um, And it does not mean that that's who she is, but that's what we worry about. So you're not going to want to have someone come in. So often people that are the most worried about being judgmental act the most perfectionistic. And because of that, other people stand back from them or avoid them. And then because they're worried about themselves being judged. Yeah. Do you think... Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to throw in one more that I think is really interesting and and I know that we talk about, which was it goes with also the negativity, right? Like if you're negative all the time, if most of your day is spent being negative, then of course you're going to be judgmental or critical. That just goes with your mind frame. And how do you get better at something is by doing it. So if you find that most of your day is spent being maybe even not judgmental, critical, just negative with everything, well, then you're going to be negative with people and things. And you may not even notice what you're saying as being judgmental. You might just think it's true because that's what you do.
1: Right. So we're at the talking about that. We're back at the concept that the negativity stew, if you will, uh, mm. is a very addictive thing as you go, you get together with other people and you talk badly about people and you sort of chuckle but you end up walking away from that evening feeling even worse because it doesn't end up making people feel better but there is something highly addictive about it isn't there
2: oh exactly i think that you said that really really well and i i I would add to that that you should be then careful of what you choose to stew yourself in (laughs) what you bathe yourself in what you surround yourself in it's gonna some some of that is gonna be absorbed we're mimics by nature
1: oh yes so true so true okay so uh, unbelievably we're at a break again but when we come back um i want to talk to you about a personal theory i have on this matter about mm-hmm. unconscious jealousy or envy oh, oh i love this judgment um i will of course be vulnerable and reveal one of my things that i got caught on in my life we'll be right back mm. straight talk with sandra riche
0: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life.
3: Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist, Georgia Dow, in this revolutionary Anxiety Videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health,
0: your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to straight talk. Here's Sandra Reich.
1: So we're back. So first of all, I'm really enjoying this conversation with you, Georgia Dow. Thank you so much for being on Straight Talk and giving us this perspective and so many psychological tips on how to deal with it. Um, I'm getting a lot of texts right now of people wanting to know what was my jealousy, Mm -hmm. unconscious moment. So I've told this story very often at my retreats and so on and so forth. So the story is as follows. I um, took took a day off from work, I don't know, maybe five years ago. Uh, I've taken other days off since then, but the story is uh, takes place about five years ago, and you know, very typical. I, as we've talked about on previous shows, I am fairly Type A. So on my day off, I was still running around doing things. Uh, I had the vision that I was going to stay in bed, but it never happened. And many weeks later, my husband took a day off from work, and I came home, and it was about two in the afternoon, and he was lounging on the couch in pajamas, <laughs> and I felt incredible rage. Like and maybe a bit of disgust. I hate to say this live on radio, but this is true. But it was a turning point epiphany for me because I, you know, I, I said to him, What are you doing? And he said, What do you mean what I'm doing? What am I doing? It's my day off. I'm relaxing. And I went upstairs and I said, Okay, Sandra, you're a therapist. You need to think about what's going on here. And I said to myself, Oh my God, I'm jealous. Because he gives himself permission to relax in a way that I would never give myself permission. But it's much easier to judge him than go look in the mirror and say, Mm. maybe I need to take a page from his book. Now, I don't think that's unique to me. No. I think that's often what we judge the harshest is a hidden quality in us or something that we've disowned in ourselves, such as the ability to relax.
2: Yes, I love that, Sandra. I love that you won is that your ability to share that, which I think is one of your strengths, to be able to be, to be honest and share. No, but I think that that's very true. I think that as, as therapists, often people expect us to be perfect or to do everything right and always have the answers to things. And I think that you being able to open up, especially for people that are guarded or that are critical or that are worried about being judged, it allows them to also share and to, to be able to say their truth and that that's okay. So I love that. But I think that on the point of it, I think that it's so true that we often are judgmental on our own secret needs and wants of what we have. Now, I'll ask the question, Sandra. So then what did you do with this? So you recognize it, which takes a lot of ego strength, as we spoke before. And then what happens
1: yeah. Well, okay. So step one is again, I, I tend to go to my journal. Well, that's how I realized it. Right. So step one is to stop being so angry at him for relaxing. And instead of it, take it as he's my teacher, I married a man who's my greatest teacher because, and that tends to happen in marriages because people marry people who are quite different often in the way they deal with things. So instead of every time I feel annoyed that he's relaxing, I now look at it as a reminder that I need to relax more. Beautiful. And so, I bring that into my life. Now, do I ever become him? And does he become me? No. What does happen magically is we become each other's best teachers because sometimes I need to relax more, but sometimes he needs to relax less. Mm. And that happens if you learn from each other is there can Mm -hmm. be too much relaxation. There can be not enough relaxation. So you want to take the lesson. The thing that's annoying you in another person and say, is there something from this I could bring to my own life? Does that make sense?
2: Oh, I love it. I love that. And I think that's a wonderful way also to get to empathy, to be able to, you know, to embrace that. Maybe there's something wonderful, mate, but that also says, maybe I'm wrong, right? There's a lot of strength that comes from that ability of maybe my way isn't the right way. I, I think that that's a hard thing. How can people be able to even take that step if they're not there already?
1: Well, I think you brought up this point earlier about the poker chips and all that. And, I, you know, one of our therapists from the center, one of our psychologists is listening and she was just texting me in about the mirror distortion is that people who think positively about themselves tend to interpret other people positively. So that means the first step to getting out of this maze is to check if you think about yourself in a good way, because if you don't... Then you're gonna keep spiraling down. So it all roads lead back to us, don't they? They do. Yeah, they do. And the wonderful thing, and what you had said
2: um, that I really love uh, from the conference was: but the first step is to be curious, Mm. to be curious about yourself and others, not be afraid. And the thing with being judgmental or, cri- or, or critical or righteous is that that comes from a place of fear and separation, and we have to move past that in order to be able to be truly curious about why do we do this,
1: why do others do this, and learn from that. Okay, so let me throw it back to you. You know, that was a fun dialogue. Has that happened to you, and would you be able to share a situation where judgment ended up teaching you something about your life? I'm curious.
2: Oh, yes. I, I have a, a really um, interesting one. So, so a lot of that came from, so I remember I was in a class. Um, I was, I was trained to be a teacher before I was a therapist and I, I did teaching. And I remember I saw this girl in the class and um, she was, she was brilliant. Like she just came out with these ideas and it wasn't that the ideas were smart. My, one of my old fears was that I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't intelligent enough or I I didn't go through it I I had a a long story but anyways that was one of my worries and she was brilliant but it wasn't just that she was brilliant because I could handle smart it was that she was so creative and she made these lesson plans that were like brilliant like the kids would learn in these really cool ways I remember her finding a way of teaching um size and what she did was she took these chalk she went out into the um uh, the, the area where all of the cars were parked in the parking lot that was empty. And she drew these dinosaurs of all different sizes. And then they went to the roof of the school, um, that had a little parapet that you could take a look out through the window and then looked at the different sizes of all these dinosaurs. Brilliant, amazing, engaging. And I remember I sat there and I went, I hate you. <laughs> really, what I thought I'm like, Oh, I hate you. Could you not be so like another thing that was brilliant. I'm like, Oh, kill me. And then she ended up being placed at my school. So we were both doing our teaching things together. Well, the coolest thing is she ended up being one of my close friends. Oh, okay. um, yeah, through it. And I, I ended up working with her and appreciating her brilliance to it. And It was hard. It was not an easy thing. This is not like I suddenly just went, you know what, I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to go to that. It was hard for me to be able to be close with someone that had such amazing creative ideas. But the nice part is the closer I got to her, the less threatened I was by her brilliance and more in awe and how exciting I was of these great ideas because not only was she brilliant, but she was generous. And she would come up, we would brainstorm these great ideas together and it was lovely and getting rid of that um, judgment and that critical thought, um, I, I, we love that, that statement of uh, the jealousy is the poison that you drink and hope someone else dies and they right. don't, um, which Mayte brought up at also at the um, talk that we did. That was wonderful because it freed me and I didn't feel that horrible pain. The next time she came up with a brilliant idea, I was like, that was a brilliant idea and it was light and I felt better.
1: Yeah, you know, Georgia, you're describing your awe of her and your her brilliant ideas and how you came to enjoy it. This really describes my relationship with you. I'm constantly awesome. in awe of brilliant ideas. That <laughs> is so so sweet. So you true. Are so sweet. No, it's so true. I have to say it. I have to say it anywhere I can and unfortunately we're out of time, so I thought I'd throw that in because <laughs> You want to bring people around you who are smart. You want to embrace them. And what you did there, Georgia, was brilliant. Instead of being annoyed by it, is to bring it in and get some pleasure from someone else's strength. And that's what we all can do is get pleasure from each other's strength and grow together. I think that's... That's that's what it's all about. So thank you for that so much. And thank you for coming on the show. Uh, before you go, Georgia, uh, people, you know, we have a Take Your Therapy Home series. What is that all about and where do they find it?
2: So that is really all of the different DVDs that we have. We just now have a conflict resolution. It's amazing. And one on emotional intelligence, how to make better connections with the people around you. Or if you don't find that you can, how to get it. It is either at master-life.com. Uh, video no bat, masterlife-videos.com or anxiety-videos.com
1: master dot com <laughs> Georgia Dow and I'm not even going to ask where people call because I know don't, you won't. Please talk don't. To I was you. hope I was worried the entire time. I'm like oh goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you watch Straight Talk. If you listen to Straight Talk regularly, you know this is a constant issue. That should be on like our blooper reel. Anyways, it's five one four seven 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 four five three zero. If you want to work with Georgia or find out more about our programs, um, thank you Georgia. Thanks for coming on Straight Talk.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Sandra. It's always wonderful. I always learn something and I always enjoy it. You are a delight to work with. Likewise.
1: Thank you. And I also want to thank our listeners from all over the world. We can't believe it for listening to Straight Talk every week. We appreciate it. And we ask you to come back next week for another exciting topic. You can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, or on iTunes under Straight Talk Sandra Reach. And in the meanwhile, our message for the week, and Georgia, you'll do it with me in a second, is to remember that there is one thing you need to do in your day-to-day life. Do you know what it is, Georgia? No, I don't. No, I don't.
2: <laughs> what is it?
1: It's keep your, come on.
2: Uh, keep, eyes?
1: Keep your eyes on the, on the stars. stars. This is Straight Talk with Sandra Rich. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reish. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.